0: Welcome to People's Church Radio Program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. We're going to be talking about something really core to just about anything in life today. Um, no matter which way you want to apply it first, when we learn how to apply (coughs) servanthood in our life is when we have learned how to really be productive, build great relationships, build legacies, and do the kinds of work in this world that goes on to the next generation. And so it's really important for us to focus here today on our own journey as I talk about this particular subject. This is something that's a lifelong practice, a lifelong learning. You never actually get to the end of the training of being a servant. God just keeps upscaling the challenges, both outside and inside. A servant is first formed on the inside. It's not a formation on the outside. It's nothing that you can just start into with... The deeds of what your hands can do. It starts on the inside with the heart and its positioning. It starts on the position of the heart before whatever you choose to serve. Here's what I do know without a doubt, you are going to serve in this life. It was Bob Dylan, the great songwriter, poet that wrote his first Christian song that went something like this. you got to serve somebody. More or less, the position is, you will serve. Sometimes it's just ourselves, we know that, and we'll be brushing up against that today. Sometimes it comes down to serving in this planet only for the things that are going to benefit you, advance you, give you what you want in return. But that service that doesn't start in the heart of a servant, it can start anywhere. It can just start in applying your time, your energy, your gifts, your skills. So what we talk about today is really a matter of the heart, and it is the heart of the matter. Here is God's fourth purpose of my life. God shaped me to serve him. See, you are called to bless The problem with that is that we like to say, I want to be blessed. And then I will bless. The path of blessing in this life is often not the path in which you first feel blessed. You often start off with very little because it has to be a matter of a deep heart change. Otherwise, what you use with your hands will only be to your own glory and to your own fame. We are called to be a blessing in this world. And we're gonna take a look at the flow of God in that because there's a real flow of servanthood that needs to be recognized by the Christian. The fourth purpose of your life is simply God shaped me to serve him. Sounds like a simple statement. But look at the verse that it's tied with in the first four words of this. We are God's workmanship. You're built by God, Christian. We are God's workmanship. Now, that's, that's a big statement. It's a big position to take. It's, it's life-changing. It, is, it changes the way that you are going to actually apply all of the great things that you've got in life. It goes on and it says, created in Christ Jesus. So he's talking about where your personal faith in Christ has released this sense of creation of being God's workmanship. Up until that, maybe it's just your hands that are doing the creating. And you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, and I love this part, God prepared in advance for us to do. It's an interesting phrase all the way through here but basically supporter to this God shaped me to serve him in when we talk about our life's calling you have a calling we've been talking and using that word interchangeable with purpose a little bit used far more in the New Testament than the word purpose when we talk about our calling we're talking about the same thing as Jesus walking along and talking to fishermen right by the sea Matthew at his tax-collecting table. Nathaniel underneath his tree. Each one of them receiving a call to come and follow. Called to become something. But for the purpose of bringing glory to God through the works that we've been created in advance to do. My life calling is to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. Jesus. Here's one thing we want to put to rest as we start this message. Your job is not exclusive. Your, your practice of your profession is not exclusive from the calling that God has given to you to be a minister of Jesus, a servant of Jesus. It says in Galatians 1.15, God in his grace chose me. Even before I was born and called me to serve him. Believer, that's all of us. Like Anyone that professes Christ is professing adherence to this call that was given before we were even born. So that everything in our life we can't take and segment our life. By the way, this is where a lot of pain is created for people in their life. So they segment their life. That's why home life can suffer because there's not an integration to the approach to life. The inside isn't integrated and the outside's not integrated. And so what happens is that you create these little areas where if it's not going well in one area, I go to another area to try to compensate for that. And then it becomes a life of compensation, not a life of the process of growth of joy and something that's really effective and beautiful in the end. So when we talk about this subject today, you can see how core it is to every practice of your life. You are a bivocational minister of Jesus. All of us are in the same call and the same service. I wanna go into some stories just to lay down a context for this because I don't know if we truly get it sometimes what servanthood is and what service is and, and what that really looks like. So let's start with a familiar story. And the first familiar story we're going to start with is with a son who decided one day he wanted to go and launch out on his own on the credit card of the father. Anybody know which story this is? (laughs) Dad, give me the money. Give me the inheritance. I want to go. This is a particularly interesting story because I want you to focus on his position with the father. He's a son. He's the youngest son. He's part of the family. Let me just read the story quickly for you, and then we will make a few comments as we go through to illustrate the point. further Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, "I want my share of your estate now before you die." Where um, it isn't like self-centeredness interesting. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons a few days later. His younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Just left the father. Stepped out of uh, sort of the relationship in any active present way. And there he wasted all his money and while living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. You know, circumstances in life are going to come. These wouldn't have been unique. There's all kinds of famines in life, not just food, right? You, you're, you might be in a famine right now. You might be in a famine in your relationship. You might be a fa- in a famine in your mental or, emo- or emotional health. You might be in a famine in many different ways. What's a famine? <laughs> I'm hungry and I don't seem to have anything on the plate. I can't find food. <clears throat> so the famine comes. And it gets harsh. Circumstances change as they always will in life. There's always seasons, always know that. We're about to go into the winter season. How many like winter? Oh, man. Seriously, you're in for a long run. (laughs) Yeah. How many here would like it to be perpetual fall? You're strange. This is when things are dying. You know that, right? You do get that? How many are like, keep it summer all year long? Why do you live here? (laughs) What are you doing? How many say, nah, there's nothing like spring. That is the peak season. I'm definitely a spring person. I could live with this all the time. Few? Go wash your hands. You're muddy. It's it's just mud. Look, every season has got its unique things. Everybody's got their favorite, I guess. The fact being that the season came to this kid and it put him into a very bad place. A place where he was actually in famine. It's an interesting thought. And it was a great famine. It sweeps over the land. Everybody's in it. Everybody's in it. Can you think of a famine everybody's in right now? I won't even mention the name because I'm tired of the name. And he began to starve. What is society starving for right now? Well, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. This is a Jewish boy, understand this. When he finally came to his senses, great phrase, I better read the top one. She wants me to read the top one. I'll read the top one, Joel. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, which is accurate and true statement." And I am no longer worthy of being called your son Accurate and true statement Please take me on as a hired servant Impossible Not even possible I'll explain to you So he returned home to his father And while he was still a long way off His father saw him coming Filled with love and compassion He ran to his son Embraced him And kissed him His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. All of that is true statements. Can we go back one? Thanks. This is what we would normally say is a person coming to reality and they're saying, you know what, I failed so badly that this reality means I don't even deserve to be this anymore. Now, there's something to be understood here really quickly. When he first went to his father and said, Father, give me, give me my portion, did he deserve the sonship then? Or was he just always a son? He was born into that house. And that's why the born again into Christ has the same context. You're born into sonship. You don't deserve it. If you can make a list of things you deserve from God, I would love to see that list. Deserving. Deserving. I don't deserve it. His big problem was that somehow, previously, he thought he did. He was right in his statement that he didn't deserve it, but he never did deserve it. Anything from God's hand, you never say, well, finally, I deserve that, I earned that part. Doesn't work that way. That's why it's impossible. So the father's response is very simple, and like this, he says... But his father said to the servants, he doesn't even address the son's honest statements. Doesn't even address it. Because the father cannot act towards him as a servant. You're a son or you're not. So sonship is the beginning of really understanding what it is to be a servant of the Lord. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Uh, And remember the previous statement, when when he's starving and he's hungry, I mean starving and nobody will give him anything. But when he steps into the father's room, when he himself avails himself of being the son of a father and lets the father be the father, all of a sudden, all these things just come his way. He gives them it all again. And kill the calf we've been fattening, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party, so the party began. So if you wanna understand what being a servant is, you gotta start with the understanding that it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of God being your personal Lord and Savior. That's your beginning. Now believer, that being the case, This is where the son was getting it wrong. up there. I'm going to put two words up here. And so the first is a basic need that we all have in our life. We all have this. Whether we want to admit it or not, boom, 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 is acceptance. It's a basic need. Here the father is accepting the son in this most amazing way without any kind of list. I deserve this. There's no deserve it list. So he only accepts him on the merit of the relationship of being his son, which is something about love. It's understanding what love is. This word is critical to us to understand what it means to be a servant. Because if you get this wrong, if you get the relationship wrong, then what's going to happen is your service is going to go to serve not him. It's going to go to serve this basic need. Let's put this other word be low. simple word, behavior. The son's behavior didn't merit acceptance in the world's standards. It just didn't justify that the father should give him the blessings of being a son because his behavior did not line up. It wasn't anywhere. Oh, this is terrible. And I went to English. Uh. Now you teachers can relax out there. Behavior is something that we don't start service with. If you just respond with a behavior choice, with service, and you don't feel it accepted, and you have this need that's going vibrating in your life, I need acceptance. See, it's like water, it's not a be nice to have. What relationship could you possibly really build if somehow this is not a part of that? And not only must it be a part of it, but the growth, the maturity of the intimacy of the relationship, whether it's God or other people, is really directly matched by the level of acceptance that we have within that, that we sense within that, that, we, that is given to us, whether we deserve it or not. I told you before, kind of the illustration in the story about the couple that goes camping and she has, they have three kids and they just uh, let them go play and they're out in the woods and, and uh, the three kids go play and at the end of the day, you know, they, their kids are calling them and, they, and no kids are coming. So they go hunt them down and they find one and then they find two and uh, then they say to each other, oh man, it's getting dark. This is a lot of work, you know. Uh, let's go. We found two out of three. Does that sound weird? Good. (laughs) Because the relationship that's meeting these kinds of needs that has this kind of deep kind of connection that's based on not behavior first. uh, That was the nasty kid anyway. Never listened. You know how hard they were to work with? They were so hard-headed. This kid, hey, this is a great day. Leave them with the wolves. Let's go. Behavior. Yet we might do that in certain ways within relationships. And I think if we wanted to dive a little deep and touch a little few touch points here, we could do that and say, you see, you might be practicing that abandonment in different ways because you're not starting relationships first with acceptance. Well, when it comes to God and service and being a servant, you've got to start here first. God has given you acceptance without I deserve it lists. And so you get that simply by turning to him through Jesus Christ. We read that at the beginning. By receiving Christ, you have stepped into the fullness of being a son and daughter of God. Out of that relationship, you will have this basic need in your life met and it won't move. That's what that that prodigal son was getting wrong. He thought somehow before he earned this thing. Then he finds out that he really blew it and his behavior doesn't merit it anymore in his own mind. And he realizes though later that this is actually not the way back. It's through just behavior change. He wanted to change the position. The father just wanted him home. Those are powerful thoughts, aren't they? So if we take serving, there's many times serving gets corrupted in our life. It gets corrupted because we use the behavior of serving. It's a behavior. We use this behavior of serving to achieve acceptance from others, either from people or from God. Do we recognize it? Sometimes we're using our things to serve to get this acceptance. If I serve them this way, I will have acceptance back. Here's the problem with that is acceptance on the human level is always going to be in conditional places it's going to have conditions upon it and those conditions will go to behavior the maturing of a relationship means that it's less of this to achieve this and it's that this happens out of this we start with acceptance that's why it's not just about serving it's about being a servant And to be a servant of the Lord means I have to start fully here because I can't earn his acceptance. That's a tough thing when you think of it. It's so backwards to the way that it works in the world. If you're going to take all of the energy to try to get acceptance of your serving, you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be frustrated with the people that they won't give you that acceptance when you did so good and you didn't get the pat on the back and you didn't get the advancement and you didn't get the respect and you didn't get... It's going to be focused on what you didn't get in a need-based way. And you wonder what? It just feels awful to serve. No, serving is a fantastically beautiful, joyful thing when it's not trying to earn what it can never earn. Now, here's how the flow should go. The flow should go to behavior and then from behavior into processes that bring honor to God, that build you as a person, make you stronger because you are literally called to bless. You want to bless your family? I guarantee the more that you will work at just acceptance, using behavior to accept, uh, you're going to run out and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get hard inside because, because, they never ever give me back the acceptance. They don't celebrate me. They don't, fill, you know, there's a lot of blanks to fill in on this. I don't want to I don't want to belabor this too much, but if you don't get this, like the rest of this isn't going to really make sense. As long as you're going to use serving, which is a behavior for acceptance, you will fail and you will feel extremely frustrated and angry with people around you and disappointed and you'll have a trail of relationships behind you in which you will become more really, uh, how can I say, calloused and really negative, about human relationship and helping others, being a part of other people's change. You'll hold back from engagement where where the roads cross with people. There was a guy that came to the church years and years ago. (laughs) Funny story. Years and years ago. I mean, I'm talking mid-80s. So he comes to the church and there had been fires up north Fort Nelson area. And uh, so there was basically the town was, was, uh, had been dispersed to a large degree. And, they, and, and this guy comes and he, he comes, walks into my office and he said, you know, like my family, you know, we are in need this way, we're in need this way. And uh, we're fleeing the fires from up there and all of that. And so, of course, my thing is, oh, man. I didn't have much. I mean, really. So I said, I'll help you. So I said, look, I'm, I'm going to have you go out to my acreage and I'm going to get you to do a little bit of uh, chainsaw work. If you work chainsaw, oh yeah, I'm good with that. So I gave him some chainsaw work to do and I'll, and I'll pay you this amount at the end of the day. I, I, I was going to give him, a, this is mid-80s, give him a couple hundred dollars at the end of the day so I could help him and his family. So he goes out to my acreage. And he does the day, I give him the $200, and it's the next day, I hear from others that say, this guy's going around with this story. What was my first response? You wanna see my first response? Do you recognize that response? And, it's, and I looked at that as, as boy, it's a real risk to get engaged with others to help. But then I realized, because the Lord really was speaking something was quietly into my life. Now, so you don't understand, it's not about that person. It's about your heart and your response. Don't lose that. Oh, by the way, I showed him which trees to cut down. He cut down all the wrong trees. I had to redesign the whole placement of the house and everything. All worked out in the end. The fact is, is that, is that if you're going to be waited on, is this worth it? Is that worth it? Is that, you want to be hearing whether God says this is where he wants your response to be. Because it's about your heart that he wants you to manage this and get the flow going the right way. So you have a process of growth and a heart that can dive into things that are coming your way in life without trying to achieve acceptance through them. And you can build clean relationships because you're not working for this. You're living in it. Let's jump to one more story here today. I actually want to read a, a scripture out of the book of Galatians. Thanks, Joelle. She's jumping around with me today. This is Galatians 6. And it's just got such powerful things in it about it, but let me lay out some things first. We want to talk now about a different kind of concept. Not just the idea that you've you got to have clean kind of build clean things in your life by making sure that behavior's not being used to achieve things that can only come through love and relationship. The next thing, otherwise you're going to be manipulating, controlling people with all of your strengths and, and that's horrible. It's it, For you. For you. This is a scripture that has to do more with now, well, what is the flow of servanthood in my life? Let's just read this. You'll see some great principles in it. This is in the message version, Galatians 6, starting in 1. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them, saying your critical, save your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Ooh, service. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. You see how it he first goes, you need to explore first who you are. Uh, 301 coming up next Saturday. You need to explore some of your wiring. You got to explore how you're wired and shaped. He's saying, explore yourself First and then the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that don't be impressed with yourself this is this rise and fall on this this is if i really hit the mark in behaviors leading acceptance and everything else in, in my life then i'm going to be on such here's how my journey looks woo, 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 woo. Down, up, down, up, down. Woo! Yeah, party! Look at this! I won! I won! It was great. Oh, this is terrible! It's absolute. I am an idiot. Oh! Of course, I know you don't recognize it, but to take it from my life, okay? Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now, you, have been tra- you, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous, common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, see that word? In response to God. To God, what does that mean? here's your starting point in response to God he's accepted me on no merit list in my response to God letting God's spirit do the growth work in him harvest the crop of real life eternal life so let's not allow ourselves to be fatigued doing good I was in a conference, a leadership conference, one of ours in Uganda uh, some years back. And uh, maybe one or two of you were with me on that trip. You might recall a guy by the name of Pastor Mark. He did a message at one of the leadership conferences. Uh, So we had him speak at this conference also. And he, he did a message on just do good. Go do good. such a good message. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good at the right time. We will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. But look at the starting point starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith or other believers. So there's a flow. He's saying, you got to be doing good and it's got to come out of this model of God, God's love and no merit list. I have this salted away. Now my behavior serves the one that gives me my needs met. I don't have to try and manipulate control to get my, this kind of need met. I can take that strength of being accepted and drive it through my gifts and my talents and my energies, everything that I've got in my life to the glory of God, a process which exalts him and a process which builds me on the inside. And that's how the spirit of God builds us. So he's saying, you start. In the church. Next story. This next story is a story that is pretty cool. Starts with a, well, I'll start it this way because John, it's recorded in all four Gospels. But I want to start with, with uh, this part of it. John records this detail. A lad, a youth, a young fellow. He goes to hear Jesus speak one day. And there are thousands of men besides the women and children that have gathered. In fact, on this particular day, it identifies that there's 5,000 men that have gathered and besides the women and children. And so you're talking about, I don't know how many thousand of people, because even the lad that we're about to talk about, he wouldn't have been listed or counted. So imagine this gathering of thousands of people and this lad has come, but he set out that morning really early because he heard Jesus was going to be there and he was the one that came prepared and he had brought a lunch. Do you know this story? He brought a lunch. And in bringing the lunch, that was for him. He had made personal preparation for himself. You need to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when he got there, He collided with a bigger need than his own. When he got there, the need wasn't just anymore his own rumblings in his own stomach when it came to late in the day because late in the day is when Jesus identifies the need and the disciples identify the need that, that there's a bunch of hungry people still here. It's an interesting story. You can imagine that lad sitting through that entire day and holding his lunch, and he's so engrossed with the teaching and what's happening or at the crowd and interactions with Jesus, and he doesn't even get to his lunch. And it's already late in the day, and he hasn't eaten it. His mom had packed it for him, set him off that day on his little journey to go hear Jesus talk. When it comes to Jesus and the disciples, Jesus is about to teach them some remarkable truth. We're going to only zero on on one or two layers here. The first is that Jesus tells his disciples, feed them, because they come and say, these people are getting hungry, Lord. Dismiss this day. Come on. Call the meeting, just like you say in my messages. Call it. Okay. It's like, let's end this now. Send them home. They're hungry. And Jesus turns back to his disciples, and he says to them, You don't need to send them home. You feed them. The disciples took that and looked at it and said, What? You see, they weren't in touch with a few deals that he wanted them to understand. So, what he said was, You feed them. So, they go and they go and see what they can find in the crowd. They can't find much. They come back with this little bit from this youth, this lad. And, and, and it's brought to them, and the disciples take it to Jesus. And when they take it to Jesus, they're all like, what are we going to do? If we're going to feed them, you know this, a year's wage couldn't buy enough to, to even cover their hunger right now with this crowd. We can't. We could take a year's wage, and we can't feed this crowd today. Jesus says, what do you got? Well, we have a few loaves and a few fish. And Jesus just said, give it to me. Now what in this story, first off, I want you to notice the flow. The lad comes prepared to meet his own need. I hope you, you're looking after that area. I hope you're, that you are working hard to provide. I hope that you're, you're managing your life and stewarding what God gave you. And I'm, I hope that you are looking after things the best way that you know how. But the fact is, he gets there that day and finds there's a bigger need. So then what happens is the call goes out. The disciples start combing The crowd. We're looking for food. Is there anybody with food that's willing to give us some food? Now, I don't know how many people there had food, but they probably ate their lunch if they had it or were holding their own lunch. We don't know that part. Just knowing human behavior, something like that was probably transpiring. Next we go, though, to this young lad. He got in touch with a bigger need, and, and when the disciples are going out, his heart is, this is what I got. You can have it. It's an interesting thing because here we see the flow of servanthood for the Christian. You see, he was sitting next to people that he could have shared his lunch with. He could have had one person next to him, somebody that he would know, and he's got a lunch, and that other person wouldn't have maybe had a lunch, and he would have been, hey, I can do good, I can do good here. I can take my lunch and I can give it to this person. We'll split it off, you know, hey, a fish for you, a fish for me. Let's split off the loaves and make a little fish sandwich. By the way, nice slice sweet onion and sardine sandwiches are really good. Try them, don't cure anything. He could have done that. He didn't do it. It was a good thing. It would have been good. And it would have been sharing. It would have been great. But then he got in touch with the bigger need. And he gave it to the disciples who gave it to Jesus. That structure. The disciples become the apostles of the church. Now we're talking about the body. Now we're talking about serving one another first. The family of God. What we read in Galatians. Now we're talking about looking after each other. And through that there's another principle that will kick in. Not just being good hearted and sharing with one person next to you. But being good hearted and sharing with that which can create multiplication. You know when Brent stands up here and uses his gifts of leadership first. And then all the creative wonders that God has given him. And he does that. He's actually using a multiplication principle because, you see, he could just sit you down in a room and he could sing to you, play his guitar, and you'd be blessed. Or he could minister in the big world and let that feed in and create multiplication that you take the blessing... And you take it out in a way that is much greater. What is that about? It's about the flow of Jesus. First to the household of God. Why? Because in all practicalities, it makes total sense. We want to live the multiplication principle. And that's why Jesus talks about us being his church. Together, we make each other strong. Together, we serve one another. Together, the flow goes in, and what you do doesn't stay just you and one other person. You are moving that energy and that gift right through the entire body. Everybody that is serving even this morning in any capacity whatsoever is doing amazing things in multiplication. If you're sitting and watching this online... You're part of the multiplication. We have people watching, by the way, all the way from farthest part in BC right over to Nova Scotia. I know you. See, they bring it back then. In the hands of Jesus, what does he do? He just takes the bread and fish and does what only Jesus can do. We can bring it to him. We can offer it to him. We can give it. But only Jesus can do this. He breaks the bread, he breaks the fish, he gives it back to the disciples, back to his church. The church brings its offering of service Here's what we got, Lord. Here's what we bring to you. And he takes it, he breaks it, multiplies it, and sends it back out, and he feeds all of these thousands that day. Not a little snack food that a year's wages would have bought them. We're talking about a full-on blown Thanksgiving turkey, cranberries full, I am stuffed. I need to go lay down, I'm so full. And then after that, they gather up 12 basketfuls left over. 12. Now, he says He says later, did you notice how many baskets you gathered up after in another point of challenge? He's saying, do you remember that? And they said, yeah, there was 12. Okay, let's, oh yeah, 12 of us, 12, oh. Are you saying something there, Lord? Yeah. You serve me. You, The church is blessed. It is filled with life and potential and resources every time that we are willing to let Jesus blessed through the church and that little guy with his little offering his little thing that he had didn't just play out a doing good principle he went to the multiplication principle by putting it into the hands of the body of believers gifts, talents, time energy it's a powerful principle So let's come back to your blanks because there's a lot of people that are saying, when are we going to fill in more blanks? Really quickly again this week. We're just going to run through them. But if you really get this principle of being a servant where acceptance is absolutely solid, I'm a son first, I'm a daughter first, and now I will serve the interests of my father but i don't serve it as being my designated that is who i am i am first a son i am first a daughter in christ and now i have because acceptance is secured i will take my behavior i will grow my life i will challenge the inside i'll search my own heart as galatians says you look inside you you're going to make yourself the best kind of person that you can be so that you can serve your marriage can you imagine Let me say this. I got to go to this really quick here. This is where the number one relational breakdown is in any relationship. We quit serving out of acceptance, and we serve out of behavior. And we start saying, you know, behavior's not so good, I'm not serving. You're changing the nature of the relationship, the DNA. The more that you actually would serve like we're talking about today within a relationship is where that relationship is going to grow in health and in strength, especially when you are serving the interests when it comes to their faith. So let's walk through these things. What will happen if I use my life to serve and bless others? Number one, it will create joy in my life. It will create joy in my life, without a doubt. Here's why. Two factors. two Only two factors. Get the focus off myself. It just get the focus off myself. This Every time you're going for this, you're focusing like crazy on this to get this. And, and you get this focus off yourself. Next, using my gifts to help others. But when you're using your gift to help others, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Of course it feels great to do good for others. It really, really does. And it's going to create joy in your life. If your connections are more just from the self-centered viewpoint, you are struggling with joy. Number two, it will improve my relationships. If you serve and bless others, it's going to, improve your relationships. I just talked a bit about that. But the fact is, is that your relationship quality is direct, directly tied to the quality of the service that you bring. And if you are working a behavior model, the deserve model, the merit badges, if you are working that model, then the other person is always going to be a disappointment to you. And you are always going to be in a place of disappointment, frustration with them. Because they're not giving you back. Number three, it will make my life meaningful. Your life is something that has to find meaning in the expression of what you are, who you are, all the best you've got, that it doesn't serve you. Ultimately, you don't serve yourself. To get meaning, you have to get outside yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Joel on that one. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. Never. Number four, we'll leave a legacy. When you will actually use your life to serve and bless others, you will leave a legacy. Good people will be remembered as a blessing. Proverbs 10, 7. Matthew 20, 26, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. Hebrews 6.10, God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love you showed for him, for him, for him by helping his people. My father will honor anyone who serves me. Okay, let's wind it up with this. Your energy and life out of your service is either driving up to achieve things that cannot be achieved by other people in your life Nobody can give you the brand or the quality or the depth of acceptance like the Lord. He's irreplaceable in this. Your need will never go away for this. Never. Your starting point is for being a great servant is always your relationship to God. Acceptance model, not merit. Get rid of the merit thing. Do not be like that son that thought he had a relationship with God uh, by his merit and then he discovers after he goes and wastes things and he comes back that it wasn't ever by his merit. Never had been. All the energy, if you're doing that Merit badge thing is going here. And you're a very frustrated person. And you've given up actually. A lot on serving. And we if we won't give up. We will get. The result we're looking for. But this will cause you to give up. Change the direction. Get the acceptance. Understand you're coming out of an acceptance from Christ. That is irreplaceable. Now let your behavior. Find that, surrender place as you grow from the inside out, as you challenge and research and look at yourself and don't let attitudes of self-centeredness grow or control or take over in your life. Christian, if you're going to allow self-centeredness to continue to reign in your life or it stays in there unchallenged, then you are actually in a place where you are going to be flipping the energy around and you can't really grow. You can't be close to God. You cannot grow without coming to Him His way, which is always grace. And grace is always acceptance servant you are called to be a blessing not to bless you you will get that out of it but you are called to bless others so let's stand together as we have a prayer This is one of the trickiest things you're going to navigate in your whole life because this flip can happen really quickly and it can happen very subtly and you be totally unaware of it and then your relationships are like, what's going on there? Or you walk with God, I don't feel close. Or you're, you're, you're really getting into a, a kind of a, a frustrated place in life that's just perpetuating itself. I, I want to tell you that it's going to be found in the math we're talking about today. Father, as we bow our heads before you, we thank you that You said this, Jesus, you said these very words. You said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You didn't come to to earn our acceptance. You came because you accepted us. You would accept anybody that would turn to you. And Father, we know that is the truth in grace, that wherever we're at in life, if we turn to you, we will find somebody that has come not to be served, but to serve. And we will find in you the acceptance because you serve that interest in our life, that need in our life. You meet these things. And in you, we find all that we need. And Jesus... I pray that as Christians we reestablish that type of grace in our life where we start to act out of not any controlling or manipulating way for others to give us what we need but to be at peace and rest and enjoy the process of developing ourselves from the inside out so that we might be better at blessing others in the name of Jesus. Because you did say this also. He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, become the servant of all. You also said this, Jesus. Jesus, you said this. You said, even when you give a cup of water in my name, there's a reward for that. So Lord, we are talking about the things in life that are just everyday, mundane, but they are things that are not about us first. It's about others. And it's about honor to you. And out of that, Lord, we really do want to be your servants. Because we are your sons and your daughters. And we want to give, Lord, in this world things that make a difference and they do good. But we don't want to just do it, Lord, in a one-to-one. We want the multiplication. We want to first make the household of God strong. Our ministry is first to your church, Lord, then it is through your church. Help us, Lord, where we operate in places that are quite just about us. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.